This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is July 26, 2022. Please tell us your name and the years you're at Hofstra Radio. Uh, my name is Keith Irizarry. I was at Hofstra Radio, um, or WRHU, when I was there. It was my freshman year, which would have ended up being 1999, up until when I graduated in 2002. Okay. Uh, what shows or programs did you work on, or what departments were you in? I was, by every metric or every every way you describe it, I was a sports guy, right? A, a sports broadcaster. Um, so I did updates and I did news and I did, you know, classical music and jazz and all of that as well. And it was great because it, it kind of taught you how to run shows and different things. But for me, yeah, I was you know, starting out as like a board op doing the sports stuff and then as a panelist and a host and a play-by-play announcer. Okay. Um, did you have any titles or positions of management at WRHU? I did. I was the assistant sports director who actually um, got approved for the locker room, which at the time was a half hour show. We got it and it was on Saturday afternoons between the, you know, Irish and Italian shows. And I put a proposal in and got that moved to a one hour show on Sunday nights, which it still is. So I was the assistant sports director when I did that. And then I was also the sports director for a bit. Okay. Um, did you have any nicknames or on air names or did you just use your own name? I've always used my own name. Yeah, no, I, no nicknames or anything like that. Um, I had some people saying that I should have changed my last name because it was you know, difficult to say sometimes. And my response was, that's my family name. That's my dad's name. That's my mother's name. And my last name is Irizarry. That's what I'm going to be. Okay. Good for you. Um, this is a two-part question. Um, answer it, whatever makes sense to you. But I'm always curious what it is that brought people to Hofstra Radio and then if you could describe for those of us who weren't there at the time, what was the station like? Where was it? Maybe people that you met, uh, anything that you could do to paint sort of a mental picture of the station as you got there. Sure. And, and my story, and I've told this before because I, I teach classes at Hofstra as well, but I've told the story before. I was not the kid that thought I was going to be on the radio or, or be in television. That was not my dream growing up. Um, I thought TV was cool. But I thought I was going to become the shortstop for the New York Yankees. Then there was this Derek Jeter guy that got in my way. So it wasn't going to work out, right? So freshman year, I was going to be pre-law. And I, my dream was just to make a lot of money. Let's be a lawyer. Let's go that route. So in order to do that, you have to take communications classes. So I took a speech class with Professor Drummer, who I didn't even realize at the time was Dean Drummer. First week. She did like kind of a litmus test type of thing where you, you give a speech and I think she wanted to just, you know, get a baseline as to where people are. I was good at it. She held me after class and she said, you know, have you ever thought about joining the radio station? And this is the part I know that the Bruce Avery's of the world and Ed Ingalls are my who became my my mentor didn't necessarily love this next part of the story. My response was, I didn't know you had a radio station. She goes, oh, we have a really good radio station. Do you have some time now? I did. So she brought me down to WRHU and introduced me. Literally, the first person I met was Ed Ingalls, and I'm sure we'll talk more about him as we go go along the, through this. I met Vinny Micucci, who at the time, was a, he was a, a grade ahead of me, a year ahead of me, became one of my best friends. He was in my wedding party. I was in his wedding party later in life, and a few others. I thought it was a cool place. And Dean Drummer said, 
you know, you need to like fill out an application. So they spoke, I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I filled out an application, got accepted for the interview process, went through the interview process, got accepted for the training course. And then what, you know, I think people who are listening to this may know that, but if not, it's, you know, a extensive, I think it's 10 week training course. You get no credit or anything like that. You're just going on Wednesday nights and you have to pass certain amount of tests and stuff like that in order to make it. I passed everything and that summer I changed my major to communication. So, so that was like, for me, you know, professor drummer changed my life, like, because she introduced me to the radio station. And I guess now the second part of your question was what was the radio station like at that point? Mm -hmm. I believe it was just as WRHU was really taking the next step, you know, gone were like real to real editing was kind of gone it was now uh, editing, like you know, we were using DATS, and which, by the way, we don't use anymore. Everything's digital. But like we were trending towards all the digital things. Uh, Studio North, which is beautiful now, did not even exist. Uh, Studio South was just the main studio. The main office area has since gotten much bigger and nicer. There's like a, a media hub now towards the back left side that was not there when I was there. Um, yeah, I guess visually that was the difference. I, I, I don't know if that answers enough for your question. If you want a little bit more with that. Well, I'm, I'm always looking for more detail. I mean, that's, I mean, you, you've got the, the, the benefit of, of having been there then and now you're yeah. still uh, uh, active. So, so yeah, I mean, hearing about those differences in the details, that's great. I love that. Yeah, it, it definitely grew. And it's, it's pretty cool to see the current WRHU students and even just the, the students in general at Hofstra that take communications classes, the, I mean, the facilities are ridiculous. It's, it's, mm. you know, state of the art, everything. And there are things that are, I mean, I don't do radio, rarely and like I, I rarely you know do radio anymore i don't do any of the technical aspects anymore you know for me my career has gone on to everything on the air mostly television every once in a while i, I dip my toe back into radio i'm not even sure that i would know how to work all of the equipment that's there anymore i i gotta be honest it's been that long since i've i've been you know on the tech side of anything but it is beautiful stuff and these kids are getting it crazy advantages that even as, as, I mean, as recent, I mean, I graduated 20 years ago. I, I didn't have those advantages. Even that, think about this. So when I was there, everything was just on W 88.7 FM WRHU. Since then, I believe it was either my senior year or the year, it might've been actually after I graduated that they developed Hawk. That's the, the Hofstra, the web channel, mm -hmm. audio web channel, right? So they went from WRHU, when I was there, the number was if you could get to 100 games of play-by-play, -play, that was like, oh my goodness, you crushed it. It's amazing. How did you pull that off? And it's because the games were only on the radio station, right? And everyone had to get their chances. And obviously, as you uh, you know, got to further your career at WRHU, some of the more talented people would do a little bit more broadcasting. Some of the other people might go towards other other talents of their career, whether it's the broadcasting, like, like behind the scenes stuff or writing, things like that, right? So so I got over 100. These kids now are getting like 250 games because they have the digital aspect and they're, 
you know, on a day where you have a basketball game, there might also be a wrestling match. So the, these students are getting to do wrestling. It is so impressive what they are able to pull off there. Hmm. Um, it is, it is pretty amazing, but I want to go back to your, to your first interaction at the radio station and you described yourself as a sports guy. And I don't, I don't know if you were super into sports, uh, coming into the station, but you met Ed Ingalls on your first day. Did you know who Ed was when you met him or is he just a nice guy who was at the station? He was just a nice guy that was at the station. Like, I, I don't even want that to sound like I'm, you know, not giving him his, his due respect, but I was a sports guy because I read the the Sunday newspaper and I studied that stuff. And I, I say this all the time, like I was a nerd with stats and it's definitely helped me with my career, but I dreamt of playing sports. I didn't want to broadcast them. I wanted to play them. And I had some division two schools looking at me for baseball, but I was academically ahead of the curve and I got an academic scholarship to Hofstra. So I went there instead and, and I went that route. And when I met Ed, no, I had no idea the, the magnitude of what this man had already done in his career. And what was great about it too, is he didn't suddenly be like, oh, I'm Ed Ingalls and I did this and I did that. No, no, no. He talked to me like a regular human being. And that was probably the reason why I gravitated to him. It wasn't, he didn't brag about himself. Like you would, never have any idea that this guy I mean I regular conversations with Muhammad Ali like you would never have any idea about that stuff yeah I, I say that anyone that was lucky enough to have many interactions with Ed and for myself and I know some of the other people of my generation to not only you know interactions work with Ed and and you know he was like a, like an uncle to us, you know, it, blessed, blessed beyond blessed to be able to have him in our lives. Yeah. I, I, you, you went exactly where I was hoping you would go with this is that, that Ed obviously had this legendary career and was just, just uh, an amazing broadcaster, but as a human being was just, just such a great educator and such a great friend to so many people and, and such a guiding light. And, and you went exactly where I was hoping, uh, mm -hmm. I, I would hope you go. So, so thank you for that. Um, so those training classes, again, you, you're not thinking about radio. You're suddenly jumping into the station. What did you learn in those uh, 10 weeks in those training classes? Is there something that, that you picked up on or, or, or that you recall? So the broad answer is everything, right? Like I literally learned everything because I knew nothing. And, and again, I don't want that to sound disparaging because I think there were some kids that were in those training courses and, and since then that knew how to do things already. I knew nothing. All I knew was this sounded like a cool thing to try. Uh, one of my first friends in that class is Dan Baram. He was two, two, two years ahead of me and he had transferred in from Maryland and we absolutely hit it off. He was in quotes, a sports guy like me too, right? So we became friends. What did I learn in that class? I mean, I learned how to write for radio. I learned how to use my voice as a tool. I learned everything technical. And and yes, knowing all of how to run a board and knowing how to set up a mic and like all that stuff is so critical to everyone's career. And again, I know many people who go through the radio station, all they want to do is be on the air. To be honest, that's all I wanted to do as well. But early on in your career, you have to know how to do everything. And it also makes you 
a much better broadcaster when you know what can be done behind the scenes and what can't be done. So I think those are some of the things that really stand out at me, uh, stand out to me from that class. And I guess I also remember the, you know, sophomores, juniors, and seniors that came in to speak to the class, the, the Sean Novats of the world, uh, Danielle DeLillo. I remember her being really funny. She gave out the, oh my goodness, what was the, there at the time, there was the, uh, a special phone number that you were able to call if you had an issue while you're you know running the board, like if there was something wrong with it. And it ended up with the last two digits were eight, nine. And I vividly remember her doing the, you know, it's 516, 463. I think it was like 7489. And you remember because eight eats nine. And she goes, RRR. And I don't know why that stood out to me. And it was the silliest thing. But it, it, that literally just popped into my head right now. That that's awesome, and and for those of us who know Danielle, you can <laughs> you can picture that, you can hear that. That's yep. <laughs> that's that's and and you'll never forget it, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow, I, I, I that literally as we're just talking right now, that just popped in my head. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So would that have been the number for the parachute? Yes, that's what it's called. Thank you. That was the parachute number. Yes, five one six four six three something something eight nine. All right. Well, well, you got ninety percent of it. In case something goes wrong here, we can we can call and see if something happens. It's it's probably someone's office number now. But um, oh, that's great. Um, so you go through this this ten weeks, and you, again, you learn everything. You learn all these new skills and ideas and 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 tools. Um, I assume there's there's some sort of audition process, and then you get on the air for the first time. And if you don't remember the specific time, that's okay. But do you remember getting on the air the first time, or or your emotions, or your feelings, your expectations? Uh, I was disappointed, and 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 hear me out, because my first on air shift was classical music, and I mm-hmm. didn't want that to be my first thing that I was speaking about. With that being said. It was a good opportunity, and I understood why that was the route that the the radio station had us go. Um, I think I did like two classics music shifts, and then finally I got to do you know sports. I board opted a little bit. I do not remember the first time that I board opted a game or a show. I honestly, I was trying to think about this the first time I did. I I, I don't. I don't remember. Um, I know that I did updates in the spring, so that would have been whether it was lacrosse or baseball or softball. It would have been something, something with those three sports. Hmm. Do you remember being nervous? Do you remember being excited? What were your, your feelings about getting on the air? Can we, can we bypass the first time that I did classics? Can we just jump to the sports stuff? Is sure. That yeah. Yeah. Wherever you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I was, I was really nervous, but very excited. And I had, you know, Older, the, the older guys there, the like Anthony Garcia, Jeff Palazzato, Kevin Winter, Vinny Micucci, um, who else was older than me in that crew? That was kind of like my crew of, of, of the older guys. And everyone was great. And, and they, I watched them for a couple of weeks to kind of figure out what they did. And I, I also remember trying to sound like Anthony Garcia on the air because I just liked the way he sounded. And I, I don't know if I ever told him that. And we're still friends. I don't know if I ever told him that. But yeah, I remember at the beginning trying to emulate him. I wanted to have the same cadence as him. I wanted to do everything that he was doing. He was considered like the guy at that point. And uh, I think I did pretty well. I think I nailed it. I think I was a good Anthony Garcia. 
Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, so, so was it just sort of his style? You mentioned cadence. What was it that he was doing that you thought, oh, that's that's really cool? All right. So here. So how many times do you listen to radio and television? And and I'm gonna I'm gonna mimic it right now. You hear the guy do the booming radio voice. Hello and welcome to WRHU. I am Keith Irizarry. Right. Like everyone changes their voice. Right. And I I remember because I don't have a deep voice. I don't. I have a normal voice. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to be booming radio voice guy. So what's my angle? And that was Anthony Garcia. He had just a normal voice. At times was a little high pitched, like it was just normal, but he knew how to control it. And I I really remember listening to him and, and the way he controlled his voice felt like that was something I thought I could do. Right. So that's what I did. And I tried that. And I obviously... I've heard some of my stuff back from like 2001 and I sounded like, I can't believe how high pitched and I must've been nervous and I was talking so fast. Like, you know, Joe, I'm, I wasn't that high pitched, but you know what I mean? Like right. I was talking fast and I was definitely not in control of my voice, but I tried and he was, he was the guy that I looked at. Oh, that's, that's very cool. Um, do you, do you remember getting, feeling that you were comfortable on the air after a point as a, as a student, do you remember feeling like, okay, I'm working through these things. I'm starting to sound like Anthony or I'm starting to do things that I want to do. Was there a moment or a period where you're like, okay, I'm on this. I got this. That summer, the the summer yeah. going from freshman year to, to sophomore year, because I live local to the radio station. So everybody else that went home, there were, I, I think there might've been six people left in the sports department for the whole summer that year, that, that summer. So we were doing shows, we were, I think, I think at the time we might've been doing Long Island Ducks games. I'm, I'm trying, it's so long ago. We might've been, but that summer it was me, Vinny Micucci, Anthony Garcia, and like Dan Baram, and I think Brandon Chase, maybe. I don't even know if he, I know he went back home. So he wasn't even there. It, I mean, it really was five or six of us. So I was on the air every day. We were, we were learning how to edit things together. We were putting together these weekly like top 10 show list thingies that probably no one was listening to, but it's akin to what all of these 16 year old kids are doing now on YouTube and they're putting out all these videos. So I guess that was my early version of YouTube. So I would say that entire summer I got really confident and my sophomore year I was, was named the, the studio host, the in-studio host for the Hofstra football games, the football broadcast. And yes, people listening right now, I know some of you go, Austria doesn't have football. We did have football and we did have a really good football program that is no longer there. But yes, I was the studio host for that. And I feel like that was kind of my my coming alive moment at WRHO. Uh, I, I feel like that's that's a whole nother series of interviews or podcasts talking to sports guys about the the lack of existence of oh. the Hofstra football program. I'm sure we could go on about that, but yes. um, it, it sounds like there was a real spirit of of not exactly experimentation, but you had the opportunity to try things out. And were, were there people like Ed Ingalls or Bruce who were helping you and trying things out and giving you feedback at this time? It was, it was, and, and again, no slight to Bruce. Bruce uh, often was a little bit more with, with the news and, and the music uh, students, still excellent teacher. Um, and we learned a lot from him, but definitely more Ed. Ed really took 
like honed in on his his sports staff. And when we did these, I mean, some of them were hokey. I'm not gonna lie, but we li- we did this. And if we asked him, would you be willing to listen? He would set up a, an office time with us, and we would sit down and we would listen, and he would critique and he would tell us this was good, this wasn't. He was very honest with us. Yeah, Ed was a beacon of of knowledge. It was amazing. Mm, that's fantastic. What a resource to have. Um, and again, you're just, you, this is just a guy who's, who's at the station and giving good feedback. And then I, I guess slowly over time, you're learning about his experience and, and other people who are contributing to the program. Yeah, I would say a little bit during the, a little bit during the training course, I kind of got a bigger picture as to, to who Ed was. And then that summer, again, because I was local and he, He's a local guy as well. Ed Ingalls, his family lived lived pretty close to the radio station. Right. He was in all the time. So there were many, we had a lot of days where, you know, we would just sit, me and like the, the names I keep saying, you know, Anthony and then Vinny and and, 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 every, and Dan and everybody, where we would, oh, and Danny G also was a part of that crew. Like we would sit and have lunch with Ed and just talk and he would tell us stories and it wasn't the... I've done this. It was the, let, let me, let's just have a conversation. It really, it was never him. It wasn't a bragging thing. Honestly, we all, a lot of times we had to, we had to pry it out of him. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sounds like it was a very comfortable environment, you know, socially. I mean, you talk about getting used to being on the air, uh, but it also sounds like it was very welcoming uh, at WRHU in general to, to get in there and become part of the community. Yes. And some of my best friends to this day are still from WRHU. I still see Vinny regularly. Uh, Dan Baram, unfortunately, he, he moved uh, up to New Hampshire. But whenever he's on Long Island, we get together. Dan, Danny G, Dan Gentili, we actually have now worked together at four different places and currently work together at MLB Network and NHL Network. He's a director and I'm an on-air host. So yeah, no, I, I it's it's been amazing. And a lot of the other people that maybe I don't see them all the time, we still have stayed in touch and it's pr- pretty darn cool. A lot of people talk about when you go to college, you need to join like a frat or a, or a sorority. And I didn't need to. I found all of my friends that had the same you know, desires to, to, to be successful in this career as I did at WRHO. I wanted to double back for a second because you mentioned when you started at Hofstra, you were thinking about pre-law or something like that, and then you yep. switched to communications. When when was that about? So so honestly, I went into freshman year. I, I don't think pre-law was actually a, a major that you could declare, I think, until junior year. So right. I don't even know if I had a major declared, but I knew what I had to do in order to get to the pre-law stuff. So I took a speech class because I was supposed to, and I was told I had to, and that was it. And then again, yeah, I met uh, Professor Drummer, and she introduced me to the radio station and the cheesy line, right? The rest, as they say, is history. But yeah, no, I ran with it. And I also remember when I was going to change my major. My sister is uh, five and a half years older than me. She actually went to Hofstra as well. She went the business route. But I remember her saying to me my fr- uh, right after I completed the training course, and I was, I said, I'm going to change my major. I'm going to like declare a major for uh, audio radio. She said, if you're going to do this, this is, she goes, I'm not sports person like you, but I'd imagine that everybody that grew up a diehard sports person, whether it's a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, this is a dream career for them. You need to go all out. 
you need to understand that like you may not be going to the parties that people are going to because you're doing this on air stuff and which you were worded it like that i remember you know you may not be doing you know you're not joining fraternities or anything like that and i said yeah no i want to do this and and i did what a great piece of uh, feedback and advice. So many of us, when we tell our family members we're going into radio, they, they sort of cringe or cry or, <laughs> or try to talk you out of it. And it sounds like she gave you really good advice. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, she uh, she's always been in my corner. So it's very good. Well, that, that sort of brings me to this this last question. I'd like to wrap up with this. Uh, we have the benefit of hindsight. Obviously, your career, the rest of your life is affected by you know your decision to join Hofstra Radio. And we're having this conversation looking backwards, but can you put yourself back in your mindset of, I don't know, either going to the station or going through the training class? What did you hope Hofstra Radio would mean to you and what did it become? It's such a good question. The truth is I didn't know. And I think that is so fair for an 18 year old freshman to have no idea what the future was going to hold and no idea what this radio thing, and I word it that way on purpose, was going to be. I think that that was the, again, I want to get through the freshman year. It was the summer that changed everything for me, where I found my group of friends, where I found my true love for this radio station. I spent a lot of time with Ed Ingalls, who really helped me realize this was something I wanted to chase. I, both of my parents are amazing and how supportive they always were of me. And listen, I'm, I'm a, I was a smart kid. I'm a smart guy. I always did well academically. So it would have been really simple for them to push me a different avenue where, you know, something that they would think would be more academic, but they never did. They just wanted me to be happy. So I think, I think that, that summer is where I found my, my love. Right. And, and I've, continued now. I mean, that was summer of 1999 and we're sitting here in uh, 2022, uh, 23 years later, I'm, I'm still in this field and I'm still loving it. And I, both of my sons find it sometimes fascinating what I do. Mm-hmm. And my 11 year old has been on the air with me a lot. My seven year old has been on the air with me a few times. They both have dreams of being professional athletes and I will continue to try to help them reach those goals. And if for some reason those don't happen, but they will, because we speak everything into his existence, right. maybe there's a path for them to do what I do. I'm a firm believer, and I'll go a little bit further because with the question that you asked about me in general, I am a goal guy and I set goals and I refuse to be denied and I refuse to fall short. It is everything to me, whether it's you know, having a successful career, whether it's having a a happy marriage, whether it's raising my children the right way, whether it's going to the gym and staying in in, in shape, all of these things, I I don't know how to attack things like at 50%. I'm not going to do the 100, 110, 115%. No, like there's 100%, right? I do everything at 100%. I don't do anything less. And that's the, some of the stuff that I, I instill in my children, my, my two sons, and my wife is the same way. So if I said to you this, am I surprised that I've been able to do such high-level things in my career? I would say slightly. 
because everyone chases everyone that's chasing this dream wants to you know be on national television and luckily i i've been doing that now for the last 10 years but am i surprised that i continue to fight for it not in the slightest because that's just me and that's that's what i do i i, I refuse you if you brian if you tell me keith i don't think that you can do this by the time you're 45 years old Brian, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to make sure that it's done by the time I'm 45. That's just the way I am. Keith, I don't think you can come up with any more stories to tell about Hofstra Radio. <laughs> I'm going to challenge you right now to come up with more stories. And let's do this again, because I'm sure you have more to share. And this has been really a lot of fun. And, and thank you for sharing your stories and your time. I appreciate it. This is amazing. I do have more stories. I have more things to talk you about uh, as you could tell i guess i you know i don't mind speaking and honestly i want to say one more thing too yeah. uh, what you're doing is absolutely amazing i think this is really cool it's a great way to uh, a, like a fantastic way to tell the story of what we all went through at WRHU and i know you know going forward in our careers as well which will be other chapters in this but i just want to say thank you for doing this thank you that that means a lot i appreciate it and and thanks for doing this no problem